Now let's take out our Bibles. 1 John chapter 2 is where we're heading this morning. Let me pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and lives already. And I thank you now that we get the opportunity to open up your word, Lord God, and hear what you would have to say to us today, God. And I just pray that you would come and breathe life, both into the, the words of Scripture that we read, but also the words that I speak this morning, Lord God. And uh, I just thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And uh, I just pray that our hearts would, would be open, our ears would be open to what it is you're wanting to impart and uh, say to us today, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be continuing our series in 1 John that we've started probably three or four weeks ago. And uh, we're going to be in uh, verse 3 this morning, starting that, starting there. As it says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him, And in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I don't know about you, but I love the way that the Apostle John writes so clearly. He writes with such certainty. He's very black and white. There's no kind of, you know, diplomatic kind of ways of saying things, no politically correct language there. He's very, very clear. He calls a spade a spade. You know, that phrase that he says time and time again, if we say that we know him, but we are, you know, our lives don't match up with that, basically, then we're a liar. You hear that and you think, hang on a minute, that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit hard to hear. And I think in our politically correct society, our easily offended society, you know, words like that, language like that can sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable. But as we open up the Word of God, it's, it's not a bad thing to feel a little bit of un- discomfort, to feel a little bit of conviction as we open up the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. If you go and touch a sword or come up next to a double-edged sword, it's not going to be comfortable or easy It's going to hurt a little bit. You know, the reason he was so clear and black and white was that he wanted his readers to have certainty. And it echoes for us today, many hundreds of years later, that we're to have a certainty about our faith, about the truth, about love. And you know, all the things that John was writing about, walking in the light, truth, love, all those things, he saw it in action firsthand in the life of of Jesus. And it was so important to him to pass it on because the life and the words of Jesus impacted him so deeply and shaped his life so profoundly. And it should for us as well. He was very clear, the Apostle John, in his mind about the nature of true faith. 
and what it looks like in the life of one who claims to follow after Jesus. He was concerned with people truly knowing the Lord and living authentic lives of faith. And I believe that when he wrote this letter to his, to his readers, but it echoes for us today, that he calls us beyond a superficial faith based on feelings to something of far more substance than that. And he starts with, by this, we know that we have come to know. We know that we have come to know. We can have certainty and assurance that we know God, that we truly know Him. And he's not just talking about knowing about Him or knowing more kind of theological information about God. He's, the word used here, we, we know that we have come to know, speaks of a, a deepening, close relationship, a sense of intimacy with the Lord. So as a bit of a lead-in this morning, have you ever thought about what characterizes a successful business, perhaps, a well-known brand, a perhaps a, a famous music group or band, or a movement you know, that's, ha- that's had an impact in whatever sphere of society. You know, there's usually some distinguishing mark or feature, isn't there? Whether that's a logo, whether that's a, um, they're known for their service or a particular sound or whatever it might be. A particular characteristic that when you see it, when you hear it, when you partake of it, of the services that they offer, you know what it is associated with. And so, for example, you know, the Apple Corporation. And, you know, there, I know that there are people here who are a bit anti-Apple, so don't, don't uh, be offended this morning. But, there's, um, you know, it's, it's a major company, and, and whether or not you like their products or not, the fact is that they've had a big impact and influence in the technological space, in innovation. And, you know, there's a number of tablets out there, you know, like iPad-type tablets. A lot of different companies have them. But when you have the Apple one, by this, you know, it's an Apple. You turn it over, you see the Apple. You see the byte taken out of it. You see the interface. By that, that characteristic, you know that it's an Apple iPad. The Golden Arches is another example. The big McDonald's M. Everybody knows all around the world what that is what it's associated with, what, what you're going to get when you go and have dinner or lunch or food at McDonald's. You see and you instantly recognize it. There's lots of fast food restaurants out there, but by this, by the golden arches, you know what you're going to get when you go to that r- restaurant. You could call it a restaurant perhaps, but that, have that food experience, even if it's a little bit fancier these days than it once was. Google's another example, a massive company, and there's lots of other search engines out there, I believe, but let's be honest, if you're not sure about something, you say, well, just Google it. It's kind of become such a common part of our vocabulary in the 20 years that Google's been around. Many well-known bands or music groups, even in the worship kind of space, they have a distinct characteristic or sound that when you hear their songs, when you hear their music, you kind of know, ah, yes, that's distinct. By this... We know what these companies, bands, all those things are all about. There's something distinct that marks them. And so what are the defining marks of char- or characteristics that should actually define our lives as followers of Jesus? How do we know that we've truly come to know him? And how do others know that we've come to know him and that we're following after Jesus? Well, I believe that John is quite clear here in this incredible little book and in this passage that we've read this morning. In fact, I believe many of the New Testament writers are quite clear. Paul, Peter, James, about the true nature of faith and what it, what it looks like. 
And in this passage we've read this morning, there are two tests. And basically they are how we love God and how we love others. So that echoes the two most important commandments that Jesus himself uh, taught us, doesn't it? it? It says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so let me ask you this this morning, and I include myself in this. Is our love for God reflected in the way that we live our lives? Is our love for God reflected in the way that we love others? Because love is always shown by what it does, by action. It's not just by what it says. It's always shown by what it does. God so loved the world that he gave. He did something about it. When we were lost and broken, he sent his son so that we might have life and not perish. Praise God. So the first test is this, evidence in the way that we live our lives. John's saying there needs to be a yielding of our hearts and wills and a willingness to follow and walk in obedience to his commandments. It's that simple. It's not about striving or trying to somehow earn God's approval by, you know, what we do. Because we're saved not by keeping commandments, but by faith alone. But genuine saving faith actually results in a life of obedience as the result and overflow of our love for God. And so as we read that this morning and think, oh, obedience, like that's how we show love? I'm not sure. Well, John is actually just re-quoting what Jesus said. So if you're taking an issue with what John says, what I'm saying this morning, please don't shoot the messenger. Take it up with Jesus himself because he was the one who first said that in John's gospel, chapter 14. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. A little bit further on, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The next chapter of John, John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments. And so when Jesus is laying out, you know, this is how we know by this, we'll know if we truly know him and love him if you keep my commandments. He wasn't just kind of setting that as a standard and kind of wiping his hands of it. He himself lived up to that standard. He lived in obedience to the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. That's the first test. The second test is how we love one another. How we love one another. And we'll look at those couple of things this morning. But there's just a couple of things around these two tests that I want to bring out today. First of all, I believe that we're called to be a people who walk the walk. Not just talk the talk. You know, who can say all the right things, who can quote all the right scriptures, who can say all the kind of spiritually good sounding things. But we don't back it up with our actions and the way that we live. John has already mentioned about walking in the light. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Walking in the light and that that idea of our walk refers to our manner of life. Our manner of life, we're called to be in the light. It's a little bit like, to use the example of of a marriage. The evidence of of a good and loving and strong marriage is not just in the certificate that you signed on your wedding day. You know, 5, 10, 20, 50, however many years ago that is. It's not just in the fact that you said, I do, I love you, all those wonderful things on the day where two people were married. 
although as powerful and as significant as those things were. The evidence is in the day-to-day choices that a husband and wife make to love one another, to honor one another, to cherish one another, to serve one another. It's not just that we say, oh, yeah, we're married, we can produce the certificate to prove it, but it's in the day-to-day how we live. It's the same for our lives of faith, I believe. By this, we know. It's not that we're somehow going to be perfect, because none of us are, but there's this sense of progression which takes us ever more into the likeness of Jesus. Andrew, last week, he, he spoke about the certainty of sin and the certainty of salvation. And what a wonderful Savior we have in Jesus. He's our advocate we looked at last week. He's there kind of, you know, advocating on our behalf. He's our propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But what's important for us to grasp, I believe, if we're to continue to grow in maturity and in love, in knowing the Lord, is that He's not just Savior, but He's Lord as well. This is a key for us to grasp what it means to walk the walk and to keep His commands. Because keeping His commands, living according to His word, walking in the ways of the Lord will show or be the evidence that He is Lord in our lives. Because there are a lot of problems and difficulties that stem from lordship issues when we're not yielding our hearts and lives to His lordship. I came across a a great quote this week, and it said, To know God is to experience His love in Christ and to return that love in obedience. To experience His love and then respond to return that love in obedience. John goes on to say another, by this. So the first by this we know was characterized by obedience, by setting our hearts to keep His word, to live according to it. But the next by this is is similar in focus, but takes it a step further. The emphasis is that we walk in the same way as Jesus walked. So if we think about that for a second, Jesus walked in complete obedience to his Father's will. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He loved extravagantly. He gave generously. He served. He helped people. He went about doing good. He released the kingdom of God wherever he went. Does anyone remember this kind of fashion icon, certainly for my growing up years, the WWJD bands? Does anyone remember that? What would Jesus do? Those little bands that everyone kind of wore around their wrist? Yes? A few nods? Okay. Well, they were all the rage when I was growing up, and it was kind of the, the in thing, the in kind of saying, what would Jesus do? WWJD. And, you know, I think it's a great thing to actually think about and, and ask yourself and apply in your own life, like whether or not you think the, bang, the bands are a bit daggy or whatever nowadays. It's still an important principle. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? How would he react in this situation? Walking in the same way that Jesus walked has practical applications for our day-to-day lives. You might be in a situation this morning where you're facing some difficulties in your workplace. You might have some difficult people around you in your office. You might have some difficult neighbors. You might have some difficulties you're experiencing with friends. You might be in a place of discouragement and feeling despair. You you might have issues in your family or home. We're called, as we seek to walk as Jesus did, what would Jesus do? How would he respond? When we're wronged, we're called to 
forgive, when we're spoken ill of, and when others curse, perhaps, we're called to bless. We're called to go the extra mile, to walk in the light as Jesus did. And you know, as we seek to walk in the same way Jesus walked, empowered by the Holy Spirit, of course, within us, it will have an impact and an effect in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, in every area of our lives. Here's another one, walking as Jesus walked. You know, he modeled prayer and communion with the Father. And as a little bit of an aside, it's, it's got me thinking lately, given that we're coming to the end of daylight savings. You know, in the Gospels, a number of times it says, but very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus rose and he went and prayed. Well, if we want to walk as Jesus walked, it's a great time to start doing that at this time of year because it's still dark at about 7 a.m. So if you're not a morning person, you can sleep in a bit longer and still be getting up early before the sun's up to go and pray. Anyway, that was an aside. I've been thinking of that. Daylight Savings, of course, ends next weekend. By this, we have come to know him. If we walk the walk, if we keep his commandments. So this is the first test out of this passage today. Secondly, this morning, I believe we're called to be a people who love well. I've already mentioned how love is always shown by what it does. And so John makes this progression, you know, loving God, but moves on from uh, verse 7 onwards. He's saying, you know, this is no new commandment. You've heard about this. You know about this. It's kind of been there all along. Love your neighbor. Love one another. But it's, it's, it's new in the sense that it's true in him, he says. It's true in Jesus. And what he's saying is there, there is that Jesus modeled how to love so perfectly and so beautifully. It's like a new commandment because it's a new standard. Jesus calls us higher. He took things to another level. And you may remember another by this, which is found in John's gospel, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And Jesus there is saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, following my example. And he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this, another test, another bit of evidence of authentic lives of faith, how we love one another. John is very clear, as we've already mentioned. If we say we're in the light, but we don't love our brother, if there's hate or ill will in our hearts towards people, then we're actually still in the darkness. If we're walking in love, we are walking in light. There's no stumbling blocks that are going to be in our way. We're not going to put stumbling blocks in other people's way either. And you know, what he's, what he's writing about here in echoing the words of Jesus, is not talking about warm fuzzies or a feeling. Because love the true nature of love expressed here in Jesus and what we're called to express to others is not just about the feelings, when we feel like it, or the warm fuzzies. The word used is agape. And here's a definition for you. It denotes an undefeatable benevolence, an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking for anything in return. And it refers to the will or our choice rather than emotion or feeling. It does not always run with our natural inclinations. It's always shown by what it does. And this is God's love towards us. 
And this is how we are called to love others, to always seek the highest good for people, to always give freely without asking for anything in return, to go the extra mile for people. And you know, I don't know about you, but to love well, it's not always all that easy, is it? Like, people are sometimes annoying. People sometimes rub us up the wrong way. Does anyone else find that, or is it just me? Okay, good. I was, I was thinking for a second you might have to pray for me, just me afterwards. But it's not always easy, is it? And that's why it's not so much based on feeling and, you know, the emotion, but that intentional hard attitude as we allow God's love to be poured into our own hearts and then expressed through us to others. That's not something we can do of our own accord. Of course, we, make, we set our hearts to do it. We make that intentional choice, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the enabling work that He brings to help us to love. It's a fruit, fruit of the Spirit's work in our lives. So what I want to ask us this morning as we think about loving people well is, are we loving God and are we loving others better than this time a year ago? Or this time a month ago? And who has God placed in our lives right now that we can love well? Because as we think about these two tests, by this we know obedience and love, you know... It can be a bit discouraging, can't it? It can be easy to see all the ways that we're like kind of not doing what John is writing there. I certainly find it discouraging or disheartening at times. And so I'm hoping to bring it together this morning with a bit of encouragement for us. So everyone breathe out and hopefully we'll be encouraged in this last part. You know, you may be doing great this morning. You may be like, the two tests, I'm all over it. I'm passing with flying colors. I can tick those both off. If that's the case, fantastic. I celebrate with you and for you and just encourage you to keep going for it. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep pressing in. If you're in a place this morning where you're like, man, I feel like I'm just coming up short. I don't even know if I can pass one of the tests this morning, let alone both of them. Well, let me just encourage you that there's absolutely no condemnation here in this place today. But there's always something more. You see, in loving God and loving people, in learning to walk in obedience, in learning <clears throat> to love others well, there is a process of maturity. In verse 5 of 1 John chapter 2, it says, Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And this, this word perfected, this idea here, it's, it's, it means that something is maturing, something's being brought to maturity in our lives or to fulfillment. And I want to encourage us this morning, there is something being brought to maturity in each of our lives. That we're, we're moving forward. God is at work. There's this process of us being perfected in Him. And so as we look back over the last year, as we look back over the last five years or decades, however long it is with our walks with the Lord, we should see evidence of His love maturing in our lives, both our love for Him and the outworking of that as we walk according to His Word, but also our love for others. Because we are called and purposed to move forward, to grow, to go from strength to strength. But this process of coming into maturity, of His love being perfected in us, yes, it is a process that can take time and it's often all, not all that easy, is it? And uh, just to give an example of this, in my household there's been some excitement over the last week or two 
because our eldest son, Noah, he's progressed from training wheels to taking them off and learning how to ride a bike on his own. And look, it was just, uh, as a father, I was surprised at how just excited and proud and that's that sense of, I don't know, I'm sure that some of the other fathers here would, uh, would identify with that. You know, almost emotional in a sense, watching him and just go for it, go for it, buddy. You're doing it, you're doing it. And um, it came the point a couple of weeks ago, he'd been riding his training wheels bike for a while and he said, Daddy, the time's come to take my training wheels off. I want to take my training wheels off. We'd been to a, a birthday party with uh, some friends and a lot of kids had their training wheels off, so I think that kind of inspired him to do it. And uh, so we did, and obviously there's that process of him learning. But if, if we look back over the, the process of him being perfected in his ability to ride a bike, well, it was a, it was a process. Back from when he was one, he was given this little, you know, one of those car four-wheel bike things that you sit on, it's got the handlebars, and you kind of scoot around, he scooted around the house in that. And then he progressed to a three-wheel plastic tricycle thing, and he got the hang of that, he used to love going down the driveway. And then he progressed to a balance bike. And if you don't know what they are, they're a bike with no pedals, and basically it teaches the kids how to balance. So you use your feet, and then when you get confidence, you lift your legs up, and it teaches them the whole kind of feeling of balance, designed to help you as you go to a proper bike. And then he outgrew that, so we bought him a training wheels, pedal bike at Christmas time. He's been practicing that, getting the coordination between steering and pedaling. And finally, this moment of, yep, it's time to take the training wheels off. And you know, as wonderful as it is, and over the last week or so, he's just got more and more confident in it. Like each time he goes out riding, he's trying something new or going that bit faster. And... The journey has just begun for him. And yes, it's been a process already, but the journey's just begun because in 10 years' time, he's not going to still be riding his little dinosaur red and black kid's bike, is he? He's going to keep progressing, keep moving forward as he keeps growing, as he keeps growing in confidence. And you know, in that process of him maturing and progressing, as a father, I I wouldn't have been much of a father if I just said, okay, well, here's your adult bike. You'll be riding there eventually. That's where you're heading towards anyway. So there you go. Just figure it out on your own. It's up to you now, really. You've just got to work hard to figure it out. If you do it long enough, you'll get there eventually. No, that's not a father's heart at all. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not a father that, you know, would be running alongside him, behind him, holding onto his seat, never letting go, pushing him along when he's... 15, 20 years of age, that would kind of look a bit funny, wouldn't it? And it would defeat the purpose, you know, to wreck my back as well, probably. But it, there comes a point where, you know, he, he, I had to just let go and let him, let him figure it out, let him get the feel, let him get the confidence and the strength in those muscles to be able to do it. And it's kind of the same, I think, in many ways for our spiritual lives, for our walk with the Lord as we, as we are on this journey of his love being perfected in us, as we're on this journey of learning what it is to love God well, to walk in his commands and to keep them and love others well, you know, we start off and there's, there's a process. We kind of take another step forward and there's a process and the Lord's right there with us. You know, he's right there walking alongside us, cheering us on. And he's not just going to leave us to do it all on our own. And he's also not just going to kind of push us along when we, what is best for us is to actually 
ride and figure it out. It's a process coming to maturity. And you know the times when you, you fall off, the times when you make a mistake where you don't love as well as you could or whatever, just get back up. I said, keep going, keep going, buddy. We'll start again. Keep going with the bike. So keep getting up. Keep walking forward. Keep allowing him to work in your life. God desires that we truly know him. And we can know that we have truly come to know him. And this is the evidence. By this we will know that we keep his commandments, that we walk the walk, that we yield to his lordship in our lives, basically. But that also that we love well, looking to Jesus as our model, as our standard. And you know, if you're doing really well and you think you've made it and arrived, well, just look back afresh to Jesus because, you know, there's always more to go. There's always higher to go because of his standard and, the, and the, the example that he set for us. So we can take heart as well, knowing that this journey we're on is a process of God's love being perfected in us, but that as we set our hearts on him, we grow. As we know him more deeply, we love him more, and we love others better than before. And we know, and others will also know, that we know him, that our lives reflect him. And I think that's, that's so important in this day and age that we live. By this, we know that we have come to know him, that we keep his commandments, that we walk as he walked, and that we love one another well. Amen. Would you stand uh, this morning? You happy to come, Beth, just to play? Thank you. Of course, if you'd like prayer for anything in particular, our prayer team's uh, fired up, ready to go to pray for you this morning. But Lord, as we bring our service to a close today, I thank you that we've been able to gather together. I thank you that we've been able to know your presence, that we've been able to just lift up our eyes and set our hearts and our focus on you, have our perspective made right, Lord, just as we've worshipped and sung out and declared truth of who you are. I thank you, Lord, just that we've been able to draw near to you and know your cleansing, Lord, uh, just as we shared communion together. I thank you for the fellowship that we've had, the opportunity to encourage one another. And I thank you as well, Lord, just that we've been able to hear from your word today. God, I pray that we would be a people, Lord, who love you well who walk in your ways, Lord God, who walk the walk, not just talk the talk. I pray that there'd be a sharpness to our lives, Lord God. That as others see and look and examine our lives, Lord God, that we would reflect you, Lord Jesus, that we would represent and represent you to the world around us, God. And Lord, I pray as well that we would be a people who love one another well. Lord, who walk as you walked, who love as you loved, Lord God. And Lord, um, I just thank you that you don't leave us to do those things on our own. That your Holy Spirit enables, empowers, equips us, Lord God, helps us, comes alongside us to be able to keep your commands, to be able to love well. And so I just pray right now for each and every one of us that we would know afresh that touch from you, Holy Spirit, enabling us, 
helping us this week and beyond, Lord God, to walk in your ways and to love one another well. Lord God, if there's things in our lives, Lord, that you've just been highlighting this morning, patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking, where we find it hard to love, Lord, I just pray that we would not leave this place hanging on to those things, that we would bring them before you, Lord God, and allow you to carry those burdens, allow you to bring change and transformation to us, God. And I just pray as well that as we leave this place today, we would go with great joy, great rejoicing, and that that joy would continue and increase, Lord, in the week ahead, particularly as we come up to Easter and we celebrate and remember all that you've done for us, Jesus. This morning, Lord, we just say that we love you, we honor you, we bless you, and Lord, I just bless each person here with your presence, with your peace, with overflowing, abounding hope and joy. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.